Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. Booker, Literary Aviatrix. Welcome to the Aviatrix Book Review, where I review and discuss books featuring women in aviation. Check out the Aviatrix Book Review website, where you'll find hundreds of books featuring all kinds of aviation in every genre for all ages. and welcome to the Aviatrix Book Review. I'm Liz Booker. My guest today is a retired Air Force Colonel and United Airlines Captain who was among the first women to complete Air Force flight training in the 1980s. She is the author of three books, including The Road to Wings, which is the Aviatrix Book Club discussion book for December 2021. You can find her at her website, julietizzard.com. Julie Tizzard, welcome. Hi, I am so happy to be here, Liz. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy, happy to be here to talk about my book. Yeah, me too. Speaking of which, so for anybody who might not have had the opportunity to read it, would you give us an overview? I'd be happy to. This is a work of fiction, and I wrote this over a couple of years, but the setting is U.S. Air Force pilot training. And um, <clears throat> there are two main characters. The first one that you meet is Casey. She's a lieutenant in the Air Force, and she's been working very hard to get accepted to pilot training. And the book begins with her driving to the base for the first time and what she sees. And so this is basically her journey through Air Force pilot training with all the ups and downs and the challenges. And going into that mix is the other main character. And that's uh, a gal uh, that I named uh, Captain uh, Catherine Hardesty. And her nickname in the squadron is Hardass because she is a no-nonsense, uh, tough nails, very experienced instructor pilot. So, and it's, they meet each other and, uh, uh, and they fly together as an instructor and a student. And so their relationship begins off as that. And uh, so it's a lot of things about how you go about teaching someone to fly, how, how you learn to fly, the military the matter, way the Air Force wants you to fly. And then they have a relationship that happens in the book, which is a forbidden thing. So, and then there's a happy ever after. 
<laughs> I like that. The happily ever after. You know, there are so many things that I love about this book. And like you said, it is, it is completely within, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Well, you just said there's a happily ever after by saying that, you know, it begins, like you said, uh, with Casey showing up at flight training and it ends basically with her um, earning her wings and, and then going off into the sunset. And so what I thought you did so well was just like really bring the intensity of, of, military flight training to the book, you know, um, it's really high stakes, you know, it's a no fail environment. And then you add all of the action in the flying was fabulous. It, I just couldn't believe like all the details that you included in there. It took me back. So like my 20 years ago in flight training, like I was like, Oh my gosh, I remember that. It was so great. And then you add these layers, like you said, of the you know, forbidden relationship between an instructor and a student. And I also liked, you know, the the craft of telling this story from the student's perspective, which obviously I've experienced in naval flight training, but then also telling um, the story from the instructor's perspective. And mm -hmm. I know that you have some of both of those in your background. So tell us about your flying background. Well, I started as um, a student pilot in, um, in the Air Force, and I was actually in the Air Force before pilot training was open to women. So I worked as a computer systems analyst at a research laboratory, uh, which I loved. I was doing interesting work, but I never even thought I could fly as an Air Force pilot. Went through uh, private pilot uh, training at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base when I was assigned there. <clears throat> Applied for three years, got accepted, went, to, went through pilot training at Williams Air Force Base, which is the setting of my book. And unfortunately, Williams is no longer a military flying training base. It was the best training base in the Air Force. Perfect weather every day, pretty hot in the summer, but you know, you could, if you drank enough water, you could survive it. So uh, I went through pilot training and uh, graduated in uh, 1982. So I was in one of the earliest classes of women. And in my particular class, I was the only female student in my group of 45. And uh, at that time, we all went through identical training. Everybody went through about a month of ground school, uh, four or five months in the T-37, and that included um, soloing a, a twin-engine jet, uh, cross-country navigation, uh, aerobatics, formation flying, and everybody went to the T-38. Everybody had to complete that. However, the uh, flying opportunities for women were very limited. You could be instructor pilots in the T-37 or the T-38, or you could fly the big transport and uh, aircraft. So I graduated and did well enough in my class to be instructor qualified and was asked to come back and apply as a T-37 instructor. So I did that role for four years, which I loved. Uh, it was the most uh, rewarding flying I've ever done. It was also the most dangerous thing I've ever done in my life, teaching student pilots how to fly, teaching them formation flying, uh, crazy, yeah. just uh, great fun stuff. And um, so I have very, very intense, uh, deep memories of those experiences, both as a student as an, and as an instructor pilot. And as I was writing about all those intense feelings and those details came back to me uh, in a very vivid manner. So uh, that was kind of a cool process. So after pilot training, um, I was flight commander and then I selected to fly the KC-10 uh, uh, air refueling aircraft. I had to go to some lovely places like Saudi Arabia, spent many months there, no desire to go back. Then I transitioned to the Air Force Reserves and um, got hired as a pilot by United Airlines. And uh, I continued in the reserves as an IMA, the Individual Mobilization Augmentee, and worked as a, a safety uh, off, flight safety officer at Laughlin Air Force Base. And I would go there and help them with their flight safety program. 
Then I worked at Headquarters Air Mobility Command at Scott Air Force Base in St. Louis for several years in the Tank Airlift Patrol Center. Then I ended up starting up um, as a squadron commander, the first ever Air Force Reserve instructor pilot squadron. It was a 96 flying training squadron at Laughlin. And we flew the T-37, the T-38, and the T-1. And that's the um, uh, for the when they divide up into the two tracks. So the fighter students were going to fly the T-38. The uh, heavy students were going to fly the uh, T-1. And I flew the T-37 again, which was so much fun, and then started the squadron uh, from the ground up. Then I ended up being a got promoted colonel, worked at the headquarters Air Mobility Command again. And my last job, I thought, oh, I've got a nice little reserve paper shuffler job. I'm going to be a, there's one Air Force colonel assigned to every state. I was the emergency preparedness liaison officer to the state of Arizona, which I'm sure you're familiar with because the Coast Guard is very involved and, yeah. and is dealing with uh, natural uh, disasters, uh, weather emergencies, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. And I thought, oh, this will be a nice, I don't have to commute finally. <laughs> I got that job right before September 11th. Oh, so wow. on September 11th, I was at the State Emergency Operations Center. I was a senior ranking officer in the state at the time. Our tag was in the Pentagon uh, in, on September 11th when it got hit, but he was okay. We didn't hear from him for three days. And oh, I was scheduled wow. to fly with United that day also. <clears throat> so that was... Um, uh, it was interesting. I felt like I was in the right place at the right time. All my years of training and experience as a safety officer and an accident investigator and a squadron commander, all those things were uh, things that I needed uh, to coordinate military assistance to the uh, civil authorities during that disaster. Then I ended up working at the Pentagon um, the month after September 11th when the anthrax was there and um, worked in the crisis action center and coordinating lots of stuff that was going on right after September 11th. And then uh, about six months later, I retired. So, and did 25 altogether in the Air Force, active duty and reserve. Wow, what an incredible career. That, that is amazing. Um, and then you just retired from the airlines just recently, yes. isn't that right? In the, the yes, last couple yeah. of years? Yes, I flew uh, for United Airlines for 30 years. And I got in at a really good time. The airlines had not been hiring at all for almost a decade. And then in 1989, 1990, was the floodgates opened up. So I got hired by United in 1990. And at that time, everybody had to start as a flight engineer. And I was uh, selected to be a DC-10 flight engineer. It's going to be based in Los Angeles, commute from Phoenix. That's pretty easy. And I had just gotten off the KC-10 that I've owned for four years as an aircraft commander in the Air Force. So I thought, this will be cake. I know this airplane. And um, it was the worst job I ever had. <clears throat> uh, it, was, it was horrible being a flight engineer. The captains were these 60-year-old, 59-year-old grumps that didn't like women. And they, uh, um, they didn't want to fly with a female fighter. It didn't matter how many qualifications you had. They were horrible. But the good news was lots of them were, were retiring. So I had to upgrade to first officer on the 737 after six months. And um, I remember clearly... Uh, they used to warn us, don't go through training again during the year that you're on probation, because if you come in training, you wouldn't be protected by the union and you could lose your job. And I thought, after Air Force pilot training, I could handle anything that any airline could throw at me. So I upgraded to first officer after six months on the 737, and life was much better. So I flew out that airplane at United for um, 15 years, nine as a first officer, six as a captain, and then for the 757, 767 and retired off the Airbus 320. Wow, Julie, that's a lot of work you did. My goodness, thank you for all of that. 
Thanks for your service. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. How are you doing with retirement? (laughs) I'm actually having a fabulous time in retirement. Uh, I keep myself uh, off the streets uh, writing uh, uh, romance novels. So uh, uh, that's, that is fun. And then um, haven't been able to travel too much over the last year because of COVID, but uh, it was really nice being able to take a vacation to Hawaii. And uh, what I'm doing now is focusing on reconnecting with people that I haven't been able to see or communicate with. And uh, so a bunch of us are getting together in February, some uh, military pilots and some old friends, and that's going to be really fun. And the other thing I've been focusing on is inspiration. And, you know, as a uh, as a writer, um, I never really understood that about people that would say, oh, I have writer's block or, or whatever. And, and then I understood that as I started doing something creative, I never really had time to do anything creative, like creative writing or art or whatever. I was always busy doing, you know, a bunch of stuff. So um, <clears throat> as I started writing, I found that like details of memories would come back in real sharp clarity and memories of conversations and memories of feelings that I had during, and it was a really interesting creative process. So I've just been enjoying exploring that and uh, learning about writing. I was always taking technical classes in school. I never took a creative writing class. And and then somebody said, uh, well, what about your point of view? And I'm like, point of view, what's that? I don't, (laughs) it was like, well, one character's point of view and then the other character's point of view. And if you switch them, it's called head hopping. I'm like, I don't remember that in my classes. So that's all been new for me. Oh my gosh. I want to talk so much more about that when we get to the writing portion of this. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I'm I'm kind of on the same journey too. I, I intentionally started a little bit before I retired. So I kind of got a little jump start, but it is a transition to go from the way of thinking as a, as a pilot and a military officer to a creative person. Um, so yeah, so. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to uh, more about that. But speaking of which, so tell me the inspiration for this book. Why did you write it and why did you want to publish it? Well, um, I hadn't really been reading much fiction uh, just personally. Like I said, I was always reading technical things and, and uh, I was doing these flights, uh, like all night flights from the West Coast to New York or Boston. So you have to stay awake and you have to drink coffee all night. And I started reading novels uh, just for entertainment value. And I started reading uh, these romance novels and they were for the uh, uh, lesbian community. And I thought, I, these are really entertaining books. <laughs> I'd be reading along and be like, oh, we're at the top of Descent Point, <laughs> time, time to land. Uh, so, um, and I, then I read one book um, that was supposed to be about uh, a Navy woman pilot. I was really looking forward to it. And I was very disappointed um, in what was actually in the book. A lot of it was not realistic uh, at all. A lot of uh, really contrived, uh, illogical situations uh, with respect to flying and airplanes. And it really annoyed me. And I thought, well, I can write a better book than that. And so I had a friend that encouraged me to write a short story. I wrote a short story and sent it into this publisher. And they were like, okay, we like this. And if you ever want to write a novel, send us a copy. We'll look at it. So I just started uh, working on a story. And I thought about what was the most dramatic experience that I ever had in my life. And it was going through Air Force pilot training. And so I just started thinking about writing that. And I ended up writing my outline on the back of a paper flight plan, uh, so <laughs> which I still have. Um, <laughs> That's so cool. So I would just write a little bit in a hotel when I was stuck in a layover 
or I'd be sitting in an airport, you know, for a couple hours waiting for a plane to come in, and I'd write a little bit more, and and then I sent my book in, and they said, yes, we'd like to publish it, and um, and there I went. Well, that's incredible. Um, we you already kind of talked about like the formation flying and and you know the details of of the aviation portion of it and learning how to fly and and being an instructor. And then also, you know, this added layer of Catherine Hardesty in this book is a safety officer and she's got an emotional experience in her past that makes it even more difficult to fulfill that role. It just all these squadron dynamics. Um, I love the way that you built those out. Uh, you have, you know, every, every flavor of character that any flight student would meet <laughs> in her journey. Uh, do you want to talk about any of those in particular? Well, um, I, a lot of it goes back to my experience of being a student and an instructor at Williams Air Force Base. And we had a really special community. Um, you know, we had the, the first class of women to graduate went through Willie. And um, we had very few women instructor pilots in the T-37 and the T-38 squadron. But we formed like a little a little group that was cohesive and uh, and we supported each other and uh, and there were some real characters in, in our in our squadron some you know good old boys that you would think would give you a hard time for being the female pilot it turns out those were the ones that were giving you the best instruction on okay this is how you need to fix this and this is how we want you to do that and so I had some great experiences with uh, male instructors as a student and some not so great ones. And, uh, and I just kind of wanted to give the reader a little bit of a flavor of what that experience was like um, and the sense of competitiveness that you had to, you were always competing every day. You had to try 110% every day. And the stress of knowing that if you messed up something on a check ride, you could be washed out in three days. So that's what I was attempting to convey to the reader was uh, that the feelings of that experience. Well, I think you nailed it for sure. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I had I had those instructors too, like the ones in the book. I had them. <laughs> I think I think almost all of them have at some point or another. Yep. Well, so this book takes place in um, 1992-ish, right? Mm -hmm. 91, mm -hmm. 92, and so you place it in the historical context of sort of the evolution of gays in the military. And, um, you know, you have all these taboos going on. You've got not only a romance between an instructor and a student, but you've got, this is the period pre don't ask, don't tell. So it's like, you have to be super secretive about it. So I came in, I en enlisted in 1991 and then don't ask, don't tell was implemented, I think in 1994. And it was right around then that I was investigated under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, and I was a single mom at the time. And I basically saw my career aspirations and the security for myself and my child flash before my eyes. And mm -hmm. it had a huge impact on me. And it influenced the way that I behaved and, and presented myself for the rest of my career. So I had just the tiniest taste of what it was like to try to survive in that environment and still be true to yourself, even if secretly. Um, 
I'd love for you to kind of talk about your experience, your friends' experiences, because I have many friends too who I lived the pain vicariously through as they were going through their careers. Well, um, it was a, a very challenging and difficult thing to have to juggle your real life um, and who you really were and what you needed to do to succeed as a military pilot. Um, every aspect of your life was scrutinized. When you live on base, you have no civil rights. Um, you know, if the security police want to pull you over and check your trunk whenever, they can do that. And so, but I was very aware from um, high school, I think when I had an awareness of my own uh, um, self, that being gay was something I had to keep on the down low. And that was something I certainly had to do going to a Southern Baptist college in Texas, which is an example of 17-year-old decision-making just for you parents out there. Um, <laughs> don't let your kids go there. Um, but, and I was in Air Force ROTC the first year it was open to women. So I was aware that I, by then I was aware I was absolutely gay. And I also knew I had to keep that uh, a complete secret. So, um, and I, I actually had a little bit of a, of a fight with my editor who was saying, most people want to read things about contemporary what time period, what's happening right now, not something that happened, you know, 20 years ago. And I, I had to say, this was important. This is an important part of the story. It's not only uh, working as hard as you can to become a pilot, but with the additional burden of having to hide who you are in order to see, succeed in that environment. And so uh, she agreed and let me write about that because that's a really important part of our history and our story that needs to be understood and included. And uh, so there's a point where, and yet, even in that environment, when we knew we had to be secretive, we found a way to connect with each other and uh, through the base softball team. Uh, and uh, so we had actually had a really cool community of women. There were women, uh, aircraft mechanics, uh, uh, gals that worked in the hospital and all over. And we knew about each other. We knew we couldn't say anything about each other, but we were able to come together and have fun on the softball team. You know, I really love that aspect of the book. Um, you know, I was I was a, a member of the metaphorical softball team <laughs> in the Coast Guard because uh, mm -hmm. they we, they all found each other, you know, and I was always with the group. Um, and I just found that heartwarming that you had that safe network and that that you uh, that was part of the book, too. And then also sort of the safe house off the base with the mm -hmm. civilian friends where you could go as just sort of like a respite from the pressures of all of the eyes in the universe on you in the military world. And I think when we were talking in the book club, you mentioned that you had that for yourself, right? Oh yeah. And I used to think of it as an escape from the uh, testosterone poisoning uh, that you were subjected to all <laughs> week. And it was just, you know, you're the only female in a, in a room with 40 men and just the farting and the burping and the bathroom humor and just it was endless and, and it was like I just I call it I call it the adolescent boys locker room. Okay, yeah, I spent thirty pretty, years in the close. adolescent boys yeah. locker room. Yes, right there, and I I just needed to hear the sound of women's voices, and I needed to hear the sound of women's laughter, and it and I had two uh, very special friends uh, in Phoenix, and and it would be impromptu pool parties at their house every weekend. And it's, it really saved me. And it really energized me to put on like 
my uh, my armor uh, for the next week uh, to get through training and deal with these guys and continue to advance. In this book, and it sounds like for you, uh, you were successful in sort of usurping and and figuring out how to navigate your promotions, obviously to colonel, even in the context of all of this stuff that was going. What year did you retire? I retired from uh, the Air Force Reserve in 2004. Okay, so it was still in the middle of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Absolutely. And yeah. I was actually under scrutiny, even though I was an 06 in reserves and you know had gotten some commemorations for the work that we did after 9-11. I was under scrutiny. I knew I was being watched. And I knew that the organization that I worked for was just waiting for me to make one little slip up so that they could accuse me of being a homosexual and take away my career and my pension uh, right before the end. So uh, there was definitely that scrutiny on even in, in 2004. Yeah. So you had to live with that your entire career, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. with that high stakes threat. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry it happened to all of our friends. It, it did. I, I actually considered myself very lucky. Um, I got real close to being investigated uh, a couple of times, but I didn't. But uh, it was always hanging over your head. Yeah, well, it's a different world now, but um, change is slow. I told the story the other day uh, when we were on a book club call about how post um, Don't Ask, Don't Tell, I was at a joint command and, uh, you know, we had an enlisted Air Force girl who report woman who reported and she had just gotten to the unit and she was advancing and her partner, her female partner pinned her new rank on her. And I like sank in my seat, cringing, saying, no, what are you doing? Like, don't do that in front of everyone. And then I kind of looked around and, you know, we had colonels, we had admirals and colonels from every service in the room and they were all kind of cool about it. And I was like, okay, maybe it's okay. And I kind of like took a breath and I was like, maybe things are changing. And then like six months later, we had to do an investigation because some J.O. said something stupid to her on the watch about it. And then it was a terrible uh, investigation. I mean, she was the one who was put under scrutiny and she was like one of our most high performing enlisted females. So it was really, really frustrating. And that's just how change looks, unfortunately, in the military. But we're hopeful. I do have other friends who have been able to be open and have been supported by their commands. And I think that's amazing. And I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. You know, to think of two military people getting married in the base chapel. Who ever thought that would happen? And and I think it's fabulous. I know. That's very, very inspiring and very exciting. So, Julie, beyond this book, I know you've written a couple of others. Tell us about those. Um, I would be um, my second book, I just happen to have it right here. Uh, <laughs> it's called um, The Light to the Horizon. And um, this involves a, um, this is another romance novel, but it involves a civilian aviation community, uh, the world of the airline pilots. And so one character is an airline captain flying a Boeing 767 across the ocean to Hawaii. Another character is a flight attendant who has an interesting, mysterious background. 
they are crewed together on an aircraft and something happens. And uh, so they have an emergency and they have to work together uh, and it involves a sea rescue. So, uh, and then after that, there's like a mystery of what happened to the plane. Why did the plane have the emergency? And, uh, and it has a happily ever after ending also. <laughs> um, and then my new book that just came out in October, this is a uh, free fall at Angel Creek. And, um, this book is a mystery, and this one involves an aircraft accident investigation of a DC-10. And that's one of my jobs that I had in the Air Force. I was an aircraft accident investigator, and I did investigate a Class A mishap. Uh, fortunately, there was no loss of life in the one I worked on. But that is the, the setting for this book. So it's a mystery about what happened to the aircraft. And then there's um, so there's an aircraft accident investigator. There's one main character. The other one is a Portland police detective who had a family member on the airplane who, uh, who died uh, during the crash. So they have to work together and figure out what happened. So Those are so exciting. And then what are you working on now? What's next? I'm in the process of deciding that. Um, one of the things that happened when I turned in my first book, it opened like this floodgate of ideas for books. And I actually have ideas for about a dozen more books. Um, so I'm interested in making The Road to Wings a series of four to five books of what happens to the other characters um, as their life in the military goes on. And then I have um, a historical fiction in mind about the Wasp. And um, uh, then I also have a science fiction trilogy that I've been kind of percolating some ideas about. Oh, those are so exciting. Well, Julie, before we start talking uh, about more deeply about writing and publishing, I just want to say thank you so much for this book. It was such a, a breath of fresh air, you know, a, a really new perspective on aviation and such a fun combination of things. So thank you for writing it and sharing it with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for a great first year of book discussions in the Aviatrix Book Club. I'm wishing you happy holidays and a great start to the new year. I'll see you in January to discuss Shatter the Sky by Meryl Tangsdahl. Blue skies, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, and turn on notifications. Book reviews help sell books. Be sure to review the books you read at the Aviatrix Book Review website and wherever you buy your books.